trying to get our two boys ready to carry them to the golf tournament for practice, right? Twelve cats live across the road. Our door's open. Screen's broke. We need to get a new screen door. But the screen's broke, so you can come in through the screen, but you can't get back out of it. I turn and look. There's a little kitty cat in our, in our kitchen. So I said, what are you doing in here, little kitty cat? By that time, eh, the cat turns, tries to get back out. That screen won't go that way. Cat starts going, all crazy. And I told our players, we need more dogs. Bo's barking in the back. I have to go shut Bo up. Mel's like, what's going on? I said, it's a cat in the house. Cat in the house? I said, yeah, there's a cat in the house. So I told our players, I tried to let it out the front door. The cat's still going crazy in there. And I told our players, you need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Yeah, looking in the mirror. Do I look good? I got my extra bands on. I got my other shoes on. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless America. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad uh, About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You like that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week we break down movie news, rumors and rumblings, and our chosen movie of the week. But if you haven't seen that movie, don't worry, because we'll warn you before heading into spoilers. And stay tuned till the end for our weekly recommends, in which we suggest something you need to check out ASAP. And remember, you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about Clint Eastwood's American Sniper. I got a military-aged male uh, on a cell phone watching the convoy over. If you think he's reporting troop movement, you have a green light. Your call, over. Maybe he's just calling his old lady. Hold on, I got a woman and a kid 200 yards out moving towards the convoy. Her arms aren't swinging. She's carrying something. Yeah, she's got a grenade. She's got an RKG Russian grenade. She's saying to the kid. You say a woman and a kid? You got eyes on this? Can you confirm? Negative. Your call. Best Picture nominee. Best Picture nominee. American Sniper. This is one of the ones I had uh, in my honorable mentions when I made my Oscar predictions back in August. And it was one that, you know, got pushed to this season. It was supposed to originally come out maybe next year even. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the studio said, this is the best time to release this movie. And they weren't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> this movie made about $100 million uh, its opening weekend, last yeah. weekend, and... Um, Set set an early precedent for the rest of 2015 for 100 million. I mean, maybe Fast Seven or or Furious Seven will cross the 100 million the first week mm-hmm. since it's Paul Walker's last one or something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I would I would if I was a betting man, I would say that uh, the next movie to do that will be Avengers Two, and that'll probably yep. be a 200 million dollar film. I agree. Uh, the Avengers One was at least so. Yep, but definitely the most polarizing film of. 2014's offerings. I mean, there's probably been more conversation had about American Sniper uh, in the weeks leading up to and following the release of the film yeah. uh, than any film in 2014. So maybe maybe not at the Museum Three, but otherwise. <laughs> well, that Dick Van Dyke cameo just had everyone talking. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's going to be good to talk about this, and uh, I mean, it's it's been discussed in several different areas of the media. And everyone has seemed to want to weigh in with their opinion on the film. So it'll be good to weigh in our opinions 
of the film, as always, in our uh, Movie of the Week segment. But before we do that, guys, let's hit a little movie news. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin! Let's talk Oscar nominees, guys. Let's start with the Best Picture Award, but I want to go first and just get y'all general thoughts on the nominees. Uh, Some snubs, of course, as always. You know, some controversy, as always, too. But I feel like for the most part, they kind of nailed a lot of these categories. And we'll, you know, go over those here uh, in a second. But, Brian, what did you think of the nominees this year? For the most part, I thought it was, uh, you know, across the board, it was either pretty good as far as, like, what I would vote for or was, you know, we expected. Yeah. This is going to get left out or this is going to get an odd that it doesn't deserve or whatever. So I wasn't too upset for the most part. I don't usually get too up in arms about the quote unquote snubs and and stuff like that. I I feel like for it to be a snub, you have to be able to say either a, this is legitimately bad. And so it should not be up for a major award, whether that's a performance or, or a movie, or you have to be able to say this got left out and it should have replaced this sort of thing. Um, So I don't really get that upset about it for the most part. The, I, yeah, that's my 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 initial thoughts. If you want to discuss, I, there are two things that, yeah. that frustrate we'll, we'll discuss me the awards and, specifically okay. here. Sure. So, but 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 overall, uh, I you know I wasn't too. I, I thought the Academy did a pretty good job of representing, if nothing else, of representing the movies that we thought that they were going to represent for for the most part. So yeah. you know, I'm I'm pretty much okay with most of what happened. Richard, any general thoughts before we dive into these nominees? I mean, there's a few really egregious snubs, but I think they did a better job including most things than than most years, if that makes sense. I I do like the nominees on the whole, except for the ones I don't like, I really don't like. Sure. Uh, But but that's okay. But continue. No, absolutely. And uh, so here we go. Here are the best picture nominees for the upcoming Academy Awards, which will be held on February 22nd, by the way. So just about a month uh, from right now. Best Picture nominees, Whiplash, American Sniper, Birdman, Grand Budapest, The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Boyhood. Eight nominees there. I'm under the impression that it should always be ten nominees. Agreed. I just don't – I don't understand why uh, – <laughs> especially this year. I mean last yeah. year you could say – like the the next one out last year was The Way Way Back or something, you know, <laughs> and sure. – you. Looking back, that's probably not a Best Picture nominee. Uh, but this year, there's just so many that I felt could have gotten the the nomination. And one's here that I didn't think would get it. Yeah. I loved Whiplash. I didn't think it would get the Best Picture nominee. Mm. And uh, you've seen The Theory of Everything. I have yet to see that. I, yeah. And you said it was a very, you know, maybe a slightly above average Yeah, biopic. it's fine. It's, it's a yeah. good movie. It's not... Uh, to me, but but I knew it was going to get a nomination. Like it, that doesn't surprise me at all. It has all the check marks for an Oscar nominated film. So yeah. you know, I can't. I can, I'm not going to get up in arms about that. But I am with you. I I hate that we have ten slots and we never give ten nominations. Like yeah. to me, the 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 object of of the Oscars should be to highlight great film and. If you're going to allow for the opportunity for 10, 10 opportunities to say this movie is good, this you know this is a movie you should check out, then you should fill those slots every year. It's a yeah. dumb rule to uh, to go. Well, we're definitely going to have five, and then we might get up to ten. Uh, I don't I don't like that, and I don't understand the logic. Maybe there's uh, a certain threshold it. with the votes. 
Like there there's, is. Like there's a yeah. cutoff. Yeah, if, say, it's if you the don't... same as like the Heisman. Vote. Yeah, like they don't. They will only invite the nominee, the the guys who are close in the race. Yes. And so that's why some years you have four or five, and some years you only have three that that are in attendance and stuff like that. It, I I understand why they do that, but to me, it kind of sabotages the whole purpose of the show uh you know which again is to to me you should be highlighting as many films or performances yeah as you reasonably can or or as deserve to be there and and uh you know for you to fill eight slots and say that wild and Foxcatcher don't belong yeah, in that yeah. same conversation is very frustrating to me and and, and foolish if, if i'm if i'm being honest i sure. you know if i had a vote as well i i would have Honestly, I would have put Guardians of the Galaxy and Interstellar in that conversation as well in place of Theory of Everything and uh, the movie we're going to talk about in a little bit. But I, you know, I had no expectation that those two movies would get nominated. I thought Wild and Foxcatcher yeah. would have been and, and certainly should have been nominated. Totally agreed. And Gone Girl, another one completely mm-hmm. shut out Sure, that had potential at least uh, – Earlier this year, we thought, yeah. and uh, yeah, I would have put I would have put Foxcatcher in instead of maybe Imitation Game. I really mm-hmm. liked Imitation Game. Um, Richard, any thoughts on Best Picture? Not too much that you guys haven't said, but I'm kind of fine with the five with the option of everything in between ten rule. I just I think there were probably ten this year, but I'm fine with the rule in general. Yeah, I think they messed it up this this particular year, but. That's okay. We get over. What I yeah, what I don't understand about that is just they they voluntarily choose to narrow the conversation down to these eight. You know, you can widen the conversation to the ten films if you want, and that's what I enjoy about the Oscars is everybody has an opinion on every single thing that's that's nominated. Everybody's pulling for something else. Why not widen the 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 conversation at least to two additional films? That could be best pick. That I mean, you know, that's what I mean. Uh, just yeah. for our sake, if there was more nominees, there'd be more to talk about. So uh, I'll put in the the early prediction here for Boyhood for best picture. What do you guys think is going to win? Yeah, I don't see. I guess honestly, Grand Budapest Hotel might have the second best odds because it's yeah. it's peaking at the right time. But I would be surprised at this point if Boyhood doesn't win. Richard. I would go with a minor upset and just say uh, Johnny Depp's Transcendence. Oh. <laughs> right in vote. Yeah, right. <laughs> Very last minute. Best Actress, Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl, Julianne Moore, Still Alice, Reese Witherspoon in Wilds, Marianne Cotillard, Two Days, One Night, and Felicity Jones, The Theory of Everything. Marianne Cotillard always does this every year. She's always in a movie no one's heard of and always gets nominated <laughs> yeah. for an Oscar. Which is props to her. She's great. But I think Felicity Jones will, will take this one. You think was, so? Over maybe Julianne Moore, Moore will, will uh, have something to say, too. It's between those two, if I was to say. Even Reese Witherspoon, Dark Horse candidate as well here. Yeah. Have you noticed that uh, Julianne Moore has been taken out of all the uh, Seventh Son trailers? Yes. As yeah. to prevent a, a potential Norbit situation. Yeah. Leading up to the vote, but yeah, no, I think I'm trying to see. I was looking at the Vegas odds the other day. I think Julianne Moore was favorited, yeah, uh, but I'm I sure. not by not by much. And she's like Meryl Streep. It's like when you're she's against never her. won though. I mean, yeah. but she so just. I mean, as an yeah. actress, I mean, yeah, she, no, she's, she's in that great. category. Oh, she's, um, she's if, one of you my know, favorites. She hasn't received recognition for it. And she's yeah. a mother to everybody, guys. Don't forget it. Yes, she is. <laughs> she's a mother to us all. <laughs> I never have since okay. all those years ago. Uh, best actor. This is the most 
I guess, stacked category yep. and one that most people are going to have a different opinion on. It, Michael Keaton for Birdman, Eddie Redmayne, Theory of Everything, Benedict Cumberbatch, The Imitation Game, Bradley Cooper, American Sniper, and Steve Carell, Foxcatcher. Mm. Um, very strong. Yeah. Michael Gary Scott, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Oscar <laughs> Best Actor nominee for a drama, by the way, Michael Gary Scott. It's going to be either Keaton or Redmayne. Yeah. I, I think this is Keaton's. I, I, this yeah. is, to me, this is the, the category that is the – well, I think – we'll talk about director in a minute, but uh, I think Keaton – has this one in the bag and and maybe Redman can challenge i i guess but uh i would be very surprised if, if keaton didn't come away with it richard who would you vote for here gosh i would probably go it's probably i have to kind of i i just love steve carell as an actor so much so i i i weighed that way i would probably go keaton and okay. i think i think that goes into to speak to what brian says is it's a great performance and totally worthy of winning. And then you factor in the fact that, uh, you know, I think he's someone that's really loved in that community. I think he's looked at by a lot of actresses, someone that's really put in a lot of work and is well-respected. And I think that will aid him over someone like Redmayne, yeah. who's still up and coming. And, and not to mention the fact of how much of himself he put into that role. Yeah. You know, you can just tell. Yeah. And that's a movie kind of, I loved it. And a lot of people loved it. But some didn't because it's kind of a movie for actors, for artists. It's a movie about artists for artists in a, in a weird way. So I, I th but so I think it will definitely appeal to the uh, Academy voters. Yeah, best supporting actress. This is the most frustrating category for me. Uh, it was Emma Stone, Birdman, Patricia Arquette, Boyhood, Meryl Streep, Into the Woods, mm. <laughs> Arbitrary. Yeah, Laura Dern, Wild. What the actual crap? <laughs> and um, Keira Knightley imitation game. Laura Dern just needs to stop. Well, that needs to be said. Uh, but this is going to be Patricia Arquette and no one else. I really don't see anyone else upsetting. Maybe Emma Stone. If I was uh, to double down, maybe I would do it on Emma Stone. But that's 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 that. It's 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 Arquette's to lose at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No and question. It, no. it deserved. She's awesome in that movie. She's incredible. Yeah. You know who else is really good? We we did. We should just throw it in there to mention Kira Knightley's really good at imitation games. She is. she is. Yeah. Yeah. She she did a great job. Uh, you know who's not good is Meryl Streep in Into the Woods. <laughs> just gonna throw that out there. Just yeah. sorry, not good. Not she good. had white I know face she's paint, Meryl though. Streep. I know she's the greatest actress of all time. I you know, I, she's been in plenty of things that I think she's great in. Into the Woods is mediocre at best and she is not good in it. So yeah. I don't I don't I don't know what we're doing. Best supporting actor, Ethan Hawk Boyhood. Robert Duvall, The Judge, J.K. Simmons, Whiplash, Edward Norton, Birdman, and Mark Ruffalo, Foxcatcher. This was uh, between, I guess, Ruffalo and Channing Tatum. Ruffalo ended up getting the nomination. I would have picked Tatum, but that's just me personally. Uh, although Ruffalo was great in Foxcatcher, I'm going to put in the vote for J.K. Simmons here with yeah. a maybe dark horse candidate of Ethan Hawke. So, yeah, I think that's I love Edward Norton, though, Yeah, as well. Supporting actor is always the most difficult, I think, not to predict, but uh, there's always like 10 people that deserve a slot. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I said at the beginning, I, there were two or three things that I was really outraged about. And this, this one doesn't count because I haven't seen the judge yet, but it comes out on DVD, I think next week. And I imagine I will be outraged at that point because 
Everyone I'm, I know, though, has said that movie is terrible and boring and everything, but Robert Duvall is really good at it. It's like a vintage Duvall performance is what I've heard. Yeah, that, that's fine. I, I, I bet I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I'm just going to say uh, Channing Tatum deserves that spot to me. And, and you know, we knew he wasn't going to get it, so that's – I was prepared for it, but man – uh, I am not a fan of rewarding bad movies, even if it's just, well, it's got this one great performance. Yeah, but it's a bad movie. So why is it? Ha- why does it have any kind of slot at the Oscars? No, totally. Best director, Bennett Miller, Foxcatcher, Morton, Tildum, The Imitation <laughs> Game, Alejandro Gonzalez, Inurachu, Birdman, Richard Linklater, Boyhood, and Wes Anderson, The Grand Budapest Hotel. This one's going to go to either Linklater or Birdman. In my opinion, those are the two most that depended most on the director. I should say, in my opinion, uh, maybe Wes Anderson has something to say about that. But yeah. um, I feel like he gets nominated a lot for best director, even though he has never won best picture. So I'll, I'm going to go ahead and vote for Linklater here, just because he spent literally 14 years making Boyhood. <laughs> so uh, Linklater is my is my vote. Yeah, who who I- gets it here? I think they'll give it to Linklater, and I think they'll give Enrito uh, like a screenplay, screenplay award or something. Normally, what yeah. they do is they'll bounce it out that way. Sure. And then I think I don't know. They may go. Or they also could go director to Enrito, and then Best Picture to Boyhood, something like that. Yeah. These things tend to, yeah. you know, like sure. Twelve Years in Gravity. Yep. Uh, split themselves up, but we'll see. Yeah, I would say you know I think that Birdman used more cinematic technique. You know, it was funner to look at than than Boyhood, but the ambition of Boyhood deserves mm-hmm. at least a nomination. Yeah. I, I think this is the only category when they announce the winners that I will be angry about if uh, if if my guy doesn't win it. Linklater Link deserves that, yeah. yeah. Uh, and not to say that uh, Inaritu or Miller or Anderson or uh, t- what's his name Tildum are yeah. aren't good. They they all did a really good job, but I think Boyhood is just such a that's a director's life's work, you know, yeah. and that it deserves the uh, the award. There. Original screenplay was Foxcatcher, Birdman, Grand Budapest, Nightcrawler, and Boyhood. I think this will, like you said, Richard, either go Birdman or Boyhood here. And I don't think there's a debate really about either of those. I would say Birdman if I was to, to guess because it won the Globe. So uh, that's my vote. You think it'll be Birdman, Brian? Yes. For screenplay? Yes. I think, I think the script is the weaker aspect of Boyhood, so yeah. that, that makes sense. But GBH, that I don't know. That could be an interesting debate as well. It, it's, it's peaking. It's coming out at the right time. So I think there's a pretty good chance that, that Grand Budapest gets one of these awards somehow or another. But I don't know uh, which one it's most like. It's like kind of lurking in three or four different categories. <laughs> Adapted screenplay, um, Inherent Vice, The Theory of Everything, The Imitation Game, American Sniper, and Whiplash. I think it will be The Imitation Game if I was to if I was to vote, mm. so or if I was to to predict uh, which one would win. What do, what do you think it's going to be, Richard? Sniper's buzzing right now. A lot of buzz about about Sniper. Yeah. Do you think it'll get, it'll be like American Hustle and it'll get a lot of nominations, but it won't get one award or something? Uh, yeah, I think. The people that tend to vote on Academy Awards are not the type of people that like American Sniper. That are huge American Sniper people. Yeah. Um, so I think there are a large percent that are, but I don't think it'll be enough to carry it to win anything. But uh, I, I really don't know in this one. I'm kind of torn in a lot of different directions, but but it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it will. 
Uh, cinematography is the last one we should mention uh, right now. I actually best animated feature. We should are they going to give Letier his due <laughs> for cinematography? <laughs> from well, last year, I know last yeah. year he got looked over. But can they? Can they? Yeah. Can they throw it back? Well, Roger Deakins got nominated for Unbroken, so anything's possible. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's an obligatory. Roger Deakins made a movie. Yeah. We have to nominate him. Well, he'll thing. probably win this one because it's his weakest one in a long time, and that'll <laughs> yeah. be the one that the Academy's like. Yeah, that'll, yeah. I'm so angry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't think any. There's any way uh, Emmanuel Lubezki is going to lose for Birdman. No, yeah, that's, he, that's it'll be his second a in a row. He won for Gravity last year. Yeah, that that's basically a lock. Yeah, basically hey, a lock. We, we need to talk about animated feature yeah. film because I'm I'm angry. Animated about feature was the tale of Princess Kaguya. Obviously, uh, huge. Uh, the impact that made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the film, so I can't really judge. But that's one that's kind of jarring at first, yes. And also, Song of the Sea, uh-huh. which I have not. I'm not watching seen. that on mute right now. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> oh well, I'm watching the box trolls on mute actually. Yep. So <laughs> huge uh, fan, couldn't huge fan. Can't disagree with that one. I don't really see what they missed here, Brian. I don't know what your problem. Other is. two nominees. The biggest animated films in the world are. Yeah. Other two yeah. nominees were How to Train Your Dragon 2 and Big Hero 6. I'm assuming How to Train Your Dragon 2 will win the award. Yep. But uh, obvious snub, Lego movie. Uh, on, it's going to be on a lot of people's lists for top 10 of the year. Yeah. Uh, doesn't deserve a nomination, I guess, as far as the uh, Academy is concerned. But uh, big snub here. It, I'm under the opinion that I, I love Lego movie, but to say that it's a best, an Academy Award winner, it's just hard to. Hard to say, honestly. It just doesn't feel. But what about How I Trained Your Dragon? I mean, that was kind of the same, at least same feel. Yeah, but it has more it's of animated. a story arc. It yeah. has more of a build up. It has more uh, right. vision, I guess. Than the Lego creativity movie. of Lego Movie, yeah, I think, super exceeds every movie on this on this list combined. Like, I you could make an argument, and 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 I don't know that I I would not make this argument, but you can make an argument that Lego Movie deserved like a Best Picture nomination, not just an animated feature film. Uh-huh. It is shocking to me that that movie's not on this list. Like Brian, that is yeah. such an affront. Do you think it maybe lost some votes with the like kind of hardcore people that vote animation because it does go live action briefly? Yes. I haven't really thought about yeah yeah. I, Since I, it's I, not I, animated all the way through. That's why. There are two branches of the Academy that need to be burned down and started over. And it's it's documentary because they never they, – they, they purpose – the documentary, especially the feature documentary group, they purposefully exclude whatever movies uh, most people saw that year. It's like a pretentious thing of just – no, we're, that's, that's – I don't know. For whatever reason, documentaries just have to be something underground that only yeah. 10 people have seen. And animated film borders on that same kind of – uh, ridiculousness, the like cultish ridiculousness of this is not true animation, so we're not uh, we're not going to nominate it. That's that's bull. Like that's Lego Movie was like the third or fourth biggest movie of the year. You cannot tell me that it is not, and and, and, it, and it was great. Like high Rotten Tomato score, all those sorts of things. You cannot tell me that the Box Trolls or Song of the Sea or Princess Kagaya or either of the other two are better. In my, I mean, for me, this is Lego Movie's number one animated movie of the year. Period. And yeah. So, what it certainly deserves to be in that five. I don't know. I, I was, I was I think very. It, I think it's sort of like what it's sort of like what Richard said with American Sniper. I just don't know if the Academy likes Lego Movie. You know, yeah. it's very well, ADD, which I branch. loved about it. It's it's very 
robot chickeny at times, and that's fine, and it works yeah. for that movie. But it well, just, uh, I don't. I guess the voters didn't see it that way. I would have voted for it. Um, yeah, I this branch follows the script every year, yeah. and it and it always the script is to exclude something that's that's bigger. It happens all the time. Uh, you know, Brave winning over Wreck It Ralph. Uh, you know, but you can basically slot. Okay, we got the Disney release. We didn't get a Pixar release, so that means we can have two Japanese films, and uh, and we'll get one Sony in there, and then we'll give the Box Trolls a nomination, even though nobody saw it, and really nobody liked that movie very much. But you know, it is what it is. But we just thought this new animated movie that's from the mind of George Lucas. Oh, <laughs> strange <laughs> magic! Yeah, yeah, I got snubbed, that. obviously. Obvious uh, no, but can't wait, bad. guys. Thirteen percent of Rotten Tomatoes right now. Oh wow! Can we we've reached. He's now like M Night Shyamalan, where it sounded like I was parodying uh, <laughs> M Night's name, but I, I'm actually just exhausted. M Night Shyamalan's uh, thing, where like, yeah, George, your name on the front of things does not help at all. Right. Right. No, absolutely. From the mind of George Lucas. So that's really all. I guess all we should talk about here. Well, those are the main categories. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll come up again in our end of the year conversation, sure. which is coming next week. But yeah. um, and if you're a if you're an Oscars fan, uh, we will definitely be live tweeting it, and, and we'll probably do a, a recap. We'll show do right a, we'll do a recap show immediately after the Oscars, probably. Yeah, and it'll be posted, you know, that night. So right. you know, wake up the next morning and and hear our Oscar bu- uh, right. talk. So Richard and yeah. I always live tweet the Oscars yeah. and the, the big shows. We have fun making fun of everybody. You so do. we'd love to you know engage us. It'd be fun. So, guys, let's move on and let's talk one of these nominees, American Sniper. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Would you be surprised if I told you that the Navy has credited you with over 160 kills? Brian Gill, I will let you start this this talk. What did you think of, without going into spoilers, of course, what did you think of American Sniper? It, it's an interesting film. I saw it last night, so it, it's very it's very fresh for me uh, since we're, we're – by the way, we're recording this at like – is it six o'clock in the morning? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so if we sound tired, it's because of that. I saw it last night. It's fresh. I there's so much controversy surrounding this movie, and it's the same with Selma. Whenever we get to talking about Selma, um, and I don't know, I don't know that this movie. I'll put it this way: I don't know that this movie deserves to have that much discussion as far as the controversy goes because I just don't think it's that good, and so. Uh, I thought Bradley Cooper was really good. Uh, I think this story is very interesting, and I think Chris Kyle was a. I think anybody who who serves in the military is is a hero, basically, and uh, and maybe that makes me a uh, Republican sheep kind of uh, kind of person, which I don't, I don't think I am, but but maybe that's that's the uh, classification that gets stuck on anybody who. Uh, who feels that way, but uh, I think Chris Kyle is a great man, and uh, Bradley Cooper was great. I just don't, I don't know that the the movie measures up to its aspirations, and and maybe moreover, I don't know that Clint Eastwood can make a good movie anymore. And yeah. and for me, it's <laughs> I'm not a big Eastwood fan. I haven't been for for a very long time, so maybe I'm the wrong person to to make that judgment, but. I don't know that he has directed a movie that I've that I thought that I liked and or thought was a good movie since Well, Jersey Boys. I mean. <laughs> and you have uh, that you have that Jay Edgar poster in your oh, office. Gosh, it's so bad. <laughs> Jay um, Edgar, oh god. I forgot about that. 
Oh, maybe man. Mystic River. Like, yeah. I mean, it's been oh, it's been a decade. Invictus is okay to me, but not as good as uh, as it could have been. Anyway, he. What about Shangeli? You have that tattoo. <laughs> oh God. Um, <laughs> I don't like his vision in movie of movies at all anymore. Like I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I don't like what piques his interest or his style uh, or the things that he chooses to focus on um, in place of of maybe better choices. There's a lot of stuff in here that that's fine and and all the way up to good, but there's not he much zooms. that he zooms. Yeah, he zooms in on every chair. Yeah, in the film that just. <laughs> Screams at it. Uh, anyway, I, I don't know. I this is uh, this is an okay movie to me. It's to me, it's the weakest of the best picture nominees. I don't know, man. There's just there's a lot that could be done here. There's a good story to be told, and I just don't feel like it ever gets to the point where it measures up to what it's what it's trying to do. So that you know, it it made a ton of money. The release calendar they did a. It, genius job the studio did of, of putting this out of yeah, like the following of the, Selma. yes yes exactly and and they kind of followed the like lone survivor script from last year of yes uh get it out there early so that it can get uh get oscar nominations and 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 you know send out the screeners and all that sort of stuff and then dump it into january when there are no other movies to see and it's a very patriotic sort of film so people are going to go check this out middle america is going to watch this movie and it's clearly been extremely successful because it's made however much millions and millions and millions of dollars uh and they project it's going to make like 50 more this this week so it's all great they, they did a great job with the the release but i don't think that it is actually a a particularly good movie when yeah, it all comes down to it it's interesting in terms of box office because like it's it's less of a hit than you would think because it has like it only has 25 million foreign Mm-hmm. So, like, there's movies that we think of as flops that made a lot more money than this, right. which is weird because this is a huge success here. Weird to think about. But you're right. I It is – they were smart to follow the the Lone Survivor piece. I don't think this is as good of a movie. I thought I think I liked Lone Survivor more. I agree. Yeah, and, yeah. And that being said, I think Cooper is breathtaking in this. Sure. And I I have read the book. We read it uh, – got passed around at Thanksgiving a couple years ago. We were out in Arizona and one cousin was reading it and finished it. And then I picked it up and, and plowed through it. You know, we, it, th- the benefit of Thanksgiving to, in Arizona is you can sit by the pool. Cause it's like 95 degrees <laughs> in November. And so we all just kind of passed this book around reading it. It's a, it's a great story and a really interesting book. And there's, I think a, a, a pretty easy, good movie to be made here. And I think right. they managed to mess it up. <laughs> Yeah, in terms, it's just got a lot of flat spaces in between, and it's just like really cool fifteen minutes, and then just like an hour of you want to pull your eyes out. Sure. Well, it's not easy to repeat the success of Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima. Yeah. So I mean, you can't you can't make that movie every day. You know, you gotta you gotta do what you can. But this is the second movie he released this year. And besides Jersey Boys, he's got to be glad that they pushed this into 2014 so Jersey Boys can become an afterthought. But it's really – it's it's sort of funny that I feel like Eastwood's the type of guy that's like, I'm only going to put in the work if I give a crap about this – what I'm – the story I'm telling. There's a lot of the movies on his on his filmography that I can probably say without a doubt he just took a check to do, you know, or that got handed over to him. Just like Jersey Boys, you know, that was supposed to be John Favreau directing and 
he he might have been like fourth choice to direct, um, but but he did it. So American Sniper, that's a good comparison you made, Brian, to Lone Survivor. I feel like it's basically the same, not as good as Lone Survivor in my opinion, but basically the same, but with a more well-known lead lead actor and director. So it yeah. gets the best picture nominee. Yeah. You know, well, Wahlberg's huge, I think, but you're right on director. I think the directing in, in Lone Survivor was better than this with Peter yeah. Berg. I think Peter like, Berg really took took liberties with that and made it something at least original. This feels I think I think American Sniper feels like something that, you know, you're in high school and <laughs> You have to bring home a permission slip because yeah. it's not Saving Private Ryan. It's not gonna. It's not right. gonna be that gritty, realistic thing. But it still has elements of gore and uh, and stuff. But on the on the whole, it feels very generic, and um, it's made for a for a broad audience. Um, yeah, that's I, obvious. I think, I think that's the thing. I, there's there's two ways to make an Academy Award nominated film. You can you can set out to make a good movie and tell a good story, and then hope that it gets the release schedule that you want and it gets the right push from the studios and that, you know, people embrace it enough that it gets an Oscar nomination, but, but it stands on its own as a, as a film. And then the other option is you can, you can bait the Oscar and I don't have a problem with Oscar baiting if it's done right. I just think when you set yourself up in that light, it automatically puts more pressure on the movie and it has to click the right way in order to, uh, be successful both as a movie and as a, you know an Oscar contender to to continue the, the Lone Survivor argument. I think Peter Berg just set out to make a good war movie yeah. and and hope that it's going to come together. We're going to get Oscar nominations. It didn't work out, you know, but it made a ton of money. And I think that's a it came out as a a good movie. Um, maybe not a great movie, but a good movie. I think. I think American Sniper is absolutely this is Oscar bait, and you can tell there's there's massive passion. I don't want to disparage Eastwood or say I, I don't think he's collecting a check on this or anything like that. And I think Cooper obviously is is really into the subject matter and is really doing what the best that they can. But this is definitely a movie that sets out to win Oscars, and if it becomes a good movie as part of that, then then so be it. But I. I don't. I don't know. I to me, it, it look. It worked. It made a, a ridiculous ton of money. It got the Oscar nominations. I don't think there's any chance it's going to win, but it worked for the for the masses. I guess for me personally, it feels like Oscar bait that doesn't click the way that Oscar bait should, and therefore you it opens it up to disappointment and just you know mediocrity. Really, like yeah. it, it automatically, we all feel eh, not as good as it could have been because. Um, it's trying so hard to be something more than it than it than what it turns out to be for me at least. I yeah. don't want to speak for you guys, but that's that's how it came across to me. I agree, and it had way more potential than it led up to. I mean, I really would have liked to see what this could have been if Spielberg had stayed on the project. Yeah, you know, this was originally supposed to be him. Bradley Cooper was originally just supposed to produce the film, which he did in the end, and kudos to him because he made. A, a crap ton last weekend with that producer yeah. credit. Yeah. Uh, so good, uh, good foresight by Bradley Cooper, but uh, it was supposed to be Cooper producing it and Chris, Chris Pratt in the lead role of Chris That's Kyle. So yeah. would have been interesting to see what, what a freaking year Chris Pratt would have had. Think about Seriously. that. Guardians yeah. and, uh, and Lego movie. And this would have been quite the run, but yeah, I mean, 
there are several scenes. I mean, and this movie revolves or relies on the on the snipe scenes, mm. and you know that's all stuff, in my opinion. You know, especially the scene, one of the first scenes we see when uh, when Chris Kyle's in Iraq, where there's a, a woman and child with a with an IED grenade, and he has to decide, you know, whether to <laughs> whether to kill these uh, this woman and child. It's a very polarizing situation and it could make for a great scene, but it's just not executed right. And and it's a scene that we've seen done better in a movie like the Hurt Locker, you know, yeah. that and I think that was the Hurt Locker's big strength is the is that Bigelow nailed those scenes. I mean that the tension there is just it's fantastic. And there was no tension here really. I never really felt like something was going to happen. Like Chris Kyle wasn't going to save everyone, you know? Yeah. And that, that's kind of a weird mentality to have going into a film to know that nothing's going to happen in a war movie, you know, <laughs> that this guy's going to just save everybody. I think there has to be that sort of fear as an audience that is he even going to make it out of this alive, you know? And maybe that's just me or us because we grew up in Dallas and, you know, of course, if uh, going into spoilers, uh, not shouldn't be a spoiler that, Chris Kyle has passed away, but um, I mean, we, we we're very familiar with his story around here. So I knew how it was going to end and all that. And there just wasn't the suspense there that, that I wanted in, in those scenes. But let's talk about specifically about uh, the plot points of the film. I sort of had a problem with, and I don't know if this is how it is. And forgive me if you guys know more about this, but can you just walk into a military recruiting center and be like, I want to join the uh, join the forces, and then they hand you a brochure. How about the Navy SEALs? Like, is that really how it works? <laughs> yeah. Can you just like, walk in and join the Navy SEALs? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you look like a guy that likes to fight. Yeah, yeah. that's what he said. Or something. <laughs> it was a yeah. terrible scene. Awful. Yeah. Um, I just there, there's a ton of scripting issues with this movie. I think I think this Eastwood is not would not have been my my choice to direct, and I don't think he does. Uh, as good a job as we could expect from maybe a better director, but the script is a bigger issue to me. Like, there's a lot of of scripting junk in this. Now movie. you kind of can understand why Spielberg left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what he was given to work with. That's tough stuff. Yeah, and it might not have been worth it for him to to go and redo some things. But Brian, what were your big issues with the movie? You know, I didn't. <laughs> The sniping scenes are great, but the the kind of battle between him and the other sniper, and I yeah. haven't read the book, Richard, so feel free to jump in and correct me, but my understanding is that's not like really in the book, like it's no. okay. And I think that kind of shows. <laughs> and he even goes I, Eastwood even goes as far as to dress the other sniper in yeah. all black. Yeah, it, it's he's that mean. stuff is bad. It, <laughs> it's not so much like the battle. Did you notice that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like he's Cobra. Yeah, Cobra he's, Cobra command. He's, he's the Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the the battle between the snipers is well. A we've seen it. It's been done before and more successfully. Like in like Enemy of the Enemy at the Gates. You guys remember that movie oh, yeah. from the early two thousands, yeah. which is not a bad movie, and uh, you know I think did that pretty well. Um, but that stuff's okay. But like the whole bit of the the foreign sniper like receiving the call and packing his bag and climbing over roofs doing parkour and stuff like that like was really bad and didn't fit in this in an Oscar kind of movie <laughs> for me and then a lot of the scripting especially when Chris Kyle is is at home yes yes really missed like 
we all understood what was happening with him and his wife and the feelings of guilt and and PTSD and and all of that stuff. Like I think we all we all grasp that just because we know a little bit about this story and and it's and because we expect that with a with this story about soldiers coming home from from war, but but not because it's written well and not because it's put forth in a coherent sort of way. I feel bad for Sienna Miller because I don't think she was given any opportunity to do anything yeah. uh, within the movie. And I think I don't think I actually don't think that's Eastwood's fault. I think it's well, Eastwood directed it and put the script on screen. So I okay, maybe, but the scripting for her is so bad. And it's just it, it's all it is is cliche and um and nagging and and all that kind of stuff and it's it's really poorly done in my opinion and I I felt bad for her because I I thought this was kind of a breakout opportunity for her she's been kind of forgotten over the last few years of just who she is and um I think she's very talented and I don't yeah. think she got any opportunity to put that on display at all uh and I, I mean I just she she annoyed the fire out of me and again it's not her fault like it was just bad bad writing for for her and i that took away from the movie uh significantly for me richard did you have any big issues yeah i'm i'm a sienna miller fan as well and that was disappointing that she was given i mean reduced literally to like a sitcom cliche of like she's married to ray barone or something (laughs) Uh, but uh yeah so fraser crane yeah I don't know what you're talking about. What's that? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's it, it, there's a lot of this that feels like a TV movie, like in terms of, or not even a TV movie, just like a almost like a straight to video B movie in terms of how how uh, how they really want you to feel like they they it mm-hmm. was really that part I'll put on Eastwood because like yeah. the script is really bad and stuff to work with and, and so on and so forth, but like the way he just beats things, there's no subtlety in this yes. movie at all. Totally. And it's just like, there's no nuance. There's just like, this guy's good. This guy's bad. Like you said, Ken, he's dressed in black. Um, you know, the, the camera like points right at stuff. It wants you to notice like hard, like center, you know, there's no, you don't get to really watch it. It's like a video game at some points. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, it, it was on the whole a miss. It's, there's a lot of it that, that's good though, I, I think. Mm-hmm. And Cooper is being one. There's a lot of those sniping scenes are great. Um, some of the cinematography is really cool. Some of the cinematography is really bad. It's really a shame because someone like Kyle, who I also, you know, anyone that, that does that for our country is, is, uh, is a hero. As far as I'm concerned, I, I think you could disagree with, with motives of, of war and people that start them. That's I can understand that, but still people that, <laughs> People that go do it are not the ones making those decisions. They're right. they're just making the decisions to to risk their life, which I think is heroic and uh, no doubt. And uh, but it, it, it's just a shame because that legacy of of not only Chris Kyle but you know thousands and thousands of men like him uh, deserves to be honored a little more than something that's kind of silly in parts. Yeah, you can tell that Bradley Cooper is just in solid. Oscar mode, like <laughs> three time nominee, three, three in a row now for him, and they're all I, maybe silver linings. You could argue, but they're all roles that he really dedicated himself to. Like, oh yeah, went all out for yeah. all of them, 
And so. if nothing else, it's it's kind of reward for him for getting snubbed on Limitless. I mean, so this, <laughs> it's nice to see him get his due. Uh, I well. love I love Limitless. It won't that won't be appreciated in its <laughs> if time. If it gets on cable ever, I'm in all the way through, even though it's awful. Well, I've got a little rec- a movie recommendation for you called Lucy. It's the exact same movie. <laughs> yeah, I like Limitless more. <laughs> There's less Luke Bissell involvement, so. <laughs> I only had an issue, and this is a scripting issue, with how they try to justify Chris Kyle's behavior or want to go to Iraq and be a sniper. They have the scene at the beginning where he's with his dad, and they're all eating dinner, and his dad's like, you need to decide right now, son. What are you going to be, a sheepdog? Are you going to be one that gives up in a fight or one that goes in and tries to save it? save everybody you know like as if that conversation is the reason why chris kyle killed 175 people in in iraq you know because oh my dad said when i was little i need to be a sheepdog so here you know there's no need to justify it it's like you're in a war zone (laughs) like yeah Yeah, i know i know (laughs) you either shoot or you get shot that's 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 the justification so right sounds like the uh coastal carolina coach remember that from a couple years ago i think it was <laughs> we need more dogs we need more dogs <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah this movie was offensive to me also as a as a texan yeah like some oh, of the man. stuff was just like come on no you're yeah. right hold on hold on guys we got to take a break i need to load my gun real quick <laughs> <laughs> basically I got to ride this bull real quick. Hold on a second. <laughs> the scene where he meets his Sienna Miller is, is a cringe too. Terrible. Yeah. At the bar. Terrible scene. Yep. Awful. Yep. And uh, there's one more scene where he's sort of training to be a sniper and it's sort of aim small, miss small, which comes into play later in the film uh, in the climactic scene at the end. So, I mean, there's just a lot of lines, throwaway lines here that try to mean a lot that don't end up yeah. meaning a lot. So yeah. um, it's... It's really annoying. Yeah. I, I'm driver. I'm better when it's breathing. Yeah, Ugh, yeah. <laughs> I think Richard hit the nail on the head. Like this is a movie that badly wants you to feel things, and it tells you how to feel instead of letting that just kind of come forth naturally, the way that yeah. a really good movie would. For example, uh, for example, the the lookout, the person that's sort of there with uh, with Chris Kyle while he's sniping mm-hmm. um, to look out and you know watch his back. His reactions to when he's sniping these people is, oh, man, that was gnarly. Yes. He actually yeah. says that line. Oh, and he's only there so that you can you know that Chris Kyle is not cool with sniping people. So yeah. That, yeah. It's yes, so that Bradley totally. Cooper can turn around and, and give him a dirty look, you know, right. at thinking right. that this is cool. You know? And it was weird that that guy had spicoli hair. It <laughs> <laughs> was eating a pizza. And was, was in weird. a van. I don't know how they got that van up on the rooftop, but... <laughs> Absolutely. No, there were a lot of typecast roles here, and especially the character when they he walks into the barracks, and I actually laughed out loud at this. He goes, Chris Kyle goes, what are you reading, a comic book? It's a graphic novel, and it was The Punisher, and yeah. Chris Kyle was known to wear the Punisher logo and to have taken on sort of the mentality of The Punisher while he was overseas, but we don't need like a reason for that. Can't he just? Can't somebody just like the Punisher with, without having been inspired by a guy in your barracks reading the Punisher graphic? You know, I just you don't have to explain everything. You really don't. Just leave stuff up to the audience to eat, maybe look into more. Like, why was he wearing the Punisher logo? Uh, that that logo looks familiar. Oh, yeah, that's you know, you don't have to go as far as to 
literally put the comic book in the movie. So yeah. I, I thought that was pretty dumb as well. Let's talk about Chris Kyle's character. What did you think of, I guess, Eastwood's attempt to make him feel addicted to war? Did you feel like Chris Kyle was addicted to going over to Iraq and, and doing this? Or was it more of a... If I don't go, everyone's going to die. Thing, yeah, you know? I, th- I think that's his – I think that was a big part of his whole demeanor and persona. And that's – I think that's probably why he was so – part of why at least, why he was um, very good at what he did because he did have kind of a mentality. Doesn't he say of, he doesn't drink in the movie too, Chris Kyle? Isn't there something about like when they're at the bar and she's taking shots? Like he doesn't take any shots because he doesn't – do that or something. So maybe the war is like his addiction, like his vice yeah, or something, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if it's an addiction or advice or whatever, but I, I, you know, he was very good at what he did. And, and there's a lot of, I mean, I, you know, one of my, I, I've got a friend who was a sniper in the Marines and there's a, it's a, obviously it's a lot of pressure. I don't need to, like, we don't need to say that. Like that's obvious, but he's so good at what he did that I think that he did feel, I think he felt guilt of whenever he was home, that means that he's not over protecting people. And it means somebody is sitting in his shoes. Who's not as good as he is. And so I think that that's a, that was a really, um, that could have been a really strong plot point within the movie and could have played out organically without some really heavy handed, uh, dialogue and scenes to make it sure that you understand that this is why, you know, he feels the way that he does like that didn't, I don't know. That to me was the most frustrating part of the movie, I guess is just, I don't know, Clint, just let it breathe a little, like let him just do what he, what he's doing and trust that we're going to be able to figure out why he feels the way that he does instead of you having to beat us over the head with it, I guess. Would Richard, be my- Richard, why did you, what did you think about this part of the film? Did it, how did it play in the book? His his PTSD. I mean, no, PTSD. his addic- his addiction to yeah. his wife says it multiple times in the film. Uh, your tour's over or whatever. You've served your time, and he says like, you know, if I don't go, if I'm not there, everyone's gonna die. Basically, uh, so how did that play in in the book? I'm not saying the film is is incorrect at all because the film is more of a third person look at this person's life, whereas the book is a lot more intimate and just yeah. kind of his perspective on things. So it's it's not as mentioned as much. That doesn't mean it wasn't there because I think they sourced obviously the book is source material, but probably they did a lot of interviews about stuff that happened in life as well, and 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 that may have been a bigger part of it. But in terms of of what he kind of presents in the book, um, it's not as no, I mean it's there's a few PTSD issues in it from from what I remember, but uh, it's not definitely not the driving. It's not a major motif of the book like it is the film. I have to, <laughs> I have to mention the, you know, Bradley Cooper got a nomination and that's great, but I think the main snub of this film is best supporting actress, fake plastic baby. Um, it's just so jarring. They're holding a freaking baby doll and it's the most obvious thing. Like Bradley Cooper is like rocking the baby and like the, the weight distribution is all wrong. (laughs) And the story was they had two babies lined up, actual babies lined up. One of them got sick and the other didn't show up. So like, well, we got to shoot the scene and uh, fake plastic baby uh, memes were born. So that was, that was very jarring. Rumor um, has it Eastwood tried to sub in a chair yeah. at the last minute. But, <laughs> but then he got into a fight with it. Back in the parking lot. One more thing I want to mention here is there's an, 
I guess a conversation to be had about propagandistic realities of this movie. Like it can be viewed in many different lights. And the only issue I had with it, I mean, we've, we've joked about it just previously, but Eastwood's a very well-known Republican person. Mm-hmm. And, um, off and on though, he's been both. Okay. Well, currently, yeah. currently, Republican. yes, not a fan of Obama, but he, he's an interesting political person. We should yeah. say. But I just, and maybe this is from the book too. I hated the the beginning, where Chris Kyle's at home with his wife, and his his wife turns on the TV, and boom, nine eleven. I just hated that we see nine eleven happen, and then the next scene he's sniping people in Iraq. You know, as if to say that the woman and child in Iraq caused nine eleven. I just yeah. hated that. Um, yeah, yeah no, I hated that true. comparison, and you know, it's it's just so frustrating. Like, why even include that? Maybe it's you know, I, I guess maybe it's Chris Kyle's personal motivation. Maybe it led into his personal motivation. But Eastwood plays it in a way to say these people caused nine eleven. Well, know? we all know like, Saddam Hussein flew the first plane and then yeah, parachuted out, parachuted out, you know, ejector seat. Yeah, everyone uh, knows that. No, it's that is a weird. I think part of it is the misinformation of the time. I think there's people that that think those two things are aligned. The second is they're so the Iraq War. Um, I think it started about a year after, nine months after nine uh, eleven, the second Iraq War, rather. Uh, I think as we get further away from it, they kind of become days apart because that's just how history works. Where you know. 2001 and 2002 don't they seem pretty far apart when you're in 2001 and 2002 but when you're in 2015 they seem like three days apart so that's interesting and you're you're right Kent that's like that is a I get I get it that that probably was his personal motivation and that is a huge motivation for a lot of people that joined uh, the armed forces but wasn't he in the armed forces before that I think so yeah he joined because of the embassy bombings oh okay right right so it's but yeah, it's it's weird. That is that is uh that's hard to I just felt like that could have been easily left out and yeah. it would have made no difference in the in the overall uh feel of the movie and there's less controversy when you leave it out. I just don't I just don't see the need yeah. uh, to make to that be fair, connection. I think most of the stuff that happens in the uh the preamble, if you will, like the first thirty minutes of the movie is pretty bad. Like the, all of the setup for what will come once he actually gets into yeah. the field and is in war, I think is, is a hodgepodge and a, and a mess for the most part. Like not just that scene, like all pretty much all of it just kind of feels off and very, uh, a lot like unbroken at the beginning of unbroken where you're just like, here's this. Now he's in this. Now he's doing like, it just, it didn't, it doesn't uh, come together to make anything of value to me. I agree. Let's move on and, and let's hit grades, guys. Any any overarching thoughts on this though before we before we move on to grades? I don't I don't I don't think this is going to win Best Picture. I don't no. think Bradley Cooper wins Amer- uh, Best Actor, and uh, you know it's good to see it make money, get recognition, and for everyone to be waving their American flags at the end. Sure. We should talk about the end of the film first. So spoilers. <laughs> We haven't spoiled enough. Spoilers coming up now for American Sniper. Um, I want to mention the scene where they're in the house and uh, they're actually in the 
the sniper's house eating dinner. Uh, little do they know. And Bradley Cooper figures out that this guy's the sniper by looking at his elbows and, uh, and sort of, and I guess goes into the other room to find out, find his weapons and discovers them under, in his floor. I think that was a pretty decent scene. Um, and you know, there's obvious justification at the end when he snipes the guy, but, um, I like the end where, I mean, they didn't talk about his death, show his death. Um, but all they showed was the actual footage of his funeral procession and funeral, which was uh, at the Cowboys Stadium here in Dallas a few years ago. Uh, I liked the way Eastwood did that, and I appreciated that that choice at the end. I thought it was very respectful to do that, um, to pay tribute to the actual Chris Kyle. So any sure. thoughts on the end, guys? Uh, I thought it was I, – I, yeah, I'm with you. The like the funeral footage was, was good, and um, it was a little jarring the way it ended, and maybe that's what Eastwood was going for, but – I'm glad we didn't get some some dramatized scene of him being murdered because I feel like that would have cheapened the whole thing in a way. But I also – I'm not sure that like I got to go meet this guy and take him out to the range. And then Sierra, Sierra, Sienna Miller, excuse me, um, like sort of looking through the blinds to see who this guy is. I thought that was a little bit – cheesy is not really the right word yeah. but i don't know it felt a little bit of a of a of a cheat i guess um but to be fair i don't know how i would have ended it beyond that point so it, it was a little bit odd the way that the way that he went I'm, I'm glad that he had the foresight to not um make a big dramatic scene out of his death because i think that would have that really would have cheapened it yeah uh but you know I, i'm not sure that we got the right answer on that one more scene I have to mention. There's no way, and this might be in the book, Richard. If you can feel free to correct me, there's no okay. way that Chris Call gets the call of his wife telling him the sex of the baby, and then gets ambushed while she's still on the phone with him. I just don't think that that happened. And I uh, think that's I've got. Did that really happen? If it did, I'm pretty sure wow. there's, there's something like that in there. Okay, well. Fans, feel free to email the show and tell me yeah. when, if that actually I'm foggy. Happened. I was with my family at the yeah. pool. May have, may have been alcohol have been. involved. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Richard, what are your thoughts on the end of the film? I was interested in how they were going. That was the, the main thing I was thinking about throughout the film was how they were going to do the ending. And I was pretty satisfied with it, I think. I, I liked it fine. Um, it's a sad, sad ending. And... Uh, and I think it was treated with the appropriate amount of somberness, but I think showing kind of making the climax something he did at war instead of something that he did at home, I think is a fitting tribute to someone whose life should be remembered for you know what they did. Um, and so I think uh, I, I was really okay with that. And, and the footage at the end of, of the funeral is, is moving, I think. It's very moving. That, that many people. Maybe more emotional than any one yeah. moment oh, of, the, of the actual film. Yeah. So I think the scene also where he meets the guy at the VA, the doctor, psychologist, is very well done by Cooper himself, too. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So good, good acting all the way. And definitely worthy of an Oscar nomination. I mean, this is great work by Cooper, and it deserves recognition. It has received. Who knew? I mean, he's four or five years ago. That yeah. Have this Who would have kn- known when we saw Wedding Crashers at the uh, yeah sack? Or the the Rachel McAdams, <laughs> Rachel McAdams D bag uh, 
yeah. boyfriend would be. And there's the two things he does well: snipe people and crab cakes. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I heard I heard Cooper talking um, on Howard Stern. He he interviewed there, and he said he made more money for voicing Rocket Raccoon than he has for any movie in the past five years combined or something like that. Wow. Voice like, him, man, that's, that's the way yeah, to go. Just to voice go acting. voice Rocket Gosh. Raccoon for, yeah. for three days or whatever yeah. he did. So, so Incredible. much money in that. Yeah. It's crazy. So, uh, let's talk, uh, grades here, guys. I'm going to give American Sniper a B. It's Oscar caliber work on, in some levels, but, uh, it, it does come off as a very high school level film, in my opinion. It's something that they'll show, you know, to students and everything to teach them about this, this time. But I think the Hurt Locker is a superior film talking about this war. And I think there's still one yet to come. That's going to really define this war. An apocalypse now level film is going to, is going to come out and hopefully Spielberg brings us that or something uh, in, in the future. But I I still feel like this story has yet to be told uh, properly. I think W, I think Oliver Stone did it with W, right? (laughs) Well, Brad Sham, his cameo at the end really made W what it was. So we, we got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, so B for me for American Sniper. Brian, great. I'm going to go a little lower and go go B minus. Uh, I think Cooper is great. And I, that, I don't think that could be uh, overstated. He He's really, really great in this movie. Without a great performance, I think this is a C or a C plus kind of movie. Yeah. So just you know, keep that in mind. Personally, I I don't know the the rest of the film pales in comparison to to Cooper and to the the subject matter we should say the the, the original material. So B B minus for me, Richard. Yeah, Brian, you took it right out of me. I think this is a C or C plus, and Cooper elevates it to a B minus. Sure. So a good conversation, and it's one we might talk about later when uh, come Oscar time. Yep. So let's move on, guys. Let's hit a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. Richard, go ahead. Yeah, uh, there's this, one of my favorite shows that's back on right now. I'll keep this brief. But if you don't watch Parks and Rec, yes. get on Netflix, power through, get through season uh, seven, is it, or six, Brian? What are we on This right is now? the seventh season. Seventh season is on right now. Uh, it's got a cool little twist to it. It's fun. Uh, but no show makes me happier. I think if I'm ever, like, old and angry, I, which, you know, we're getting there day by day. Uh, I will probably, like, this will be a, uh, a show I just put in to cheer me up. Nothing makes me happier and laugh and, and silly than than yeah. Parks and Rec. So I love it. Love every character on it. And uh, that's it. Parks and Recreation. It's on NBC, but you can also check out the previous six seasons on the, I think it's pronounced, it's pronounced Netflix. <laughs> Netflix, I think. Netflix. Okay, yeah, it's a long I at the end. Okay, my bad. Good call. The J is silent. Uh, Brian, what about you? What do you have to recommend? Yeah, I'll second that too, because Parks and Rec, I'm, I'm binging through the whole thing right now, having watched it numerous times before, and uh, it's like seasons three through five of that show are are. Are, are on the level of like The Office or sure. Arrested Development or, or anything else. I mean, they're just superior quality TV shows. Uh, so check that out. I'm also going to recommend a TV show. I've only seen one episode. I haven't gotten to watch the, the newest episode yet, but I loved Man Seeking Woman, the uh, the pilot episode with oh, Jay Bear show. Yes, and, and uh, Richard has been on the, uh, the Simon Rich bandwagon for a long time and has recommended books by him. In the past, he used to write for SNL. He's a, uh, what would you call him? A, a humorist? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
he's, he's a, older than you think, but he does yeah. look like he's 14. No, he literally looks 14, yeah. Yeah, oh, no but he did start on SNL like, at 22 as a writer. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I, I loved the first season. If you if you like weird humor, which I think we're all big fans of, and, and I would imagine a, a large majority of our... Uh, of our audience does it it's so it's so odd and so out there uh but it's genius like the it, they're all it's each episode is like kind of vignettes like there's three segments basically of jay Baruchel like trying to figure out how to date and it's not going well and the first segment of the first episode he dates he gets set up on a blind date with literally a troll like lives <laughs> in a dumpster from <laughs> from a forest in sweden and and the whole bit is like are people telling him what a horrible person he is for calling this poor woman a troll and he's like no she literally is a troll and they can't it's hilarious like there's i don't a, know uh, that i've ever laughed that hard at a at a pilot especially uh really really funny show uh there's a story in, in, in rich has a new one a new book out called spoiled brats which is my my weekly recommend a few weeks ago but there's a story in there uh from the perspective of this crazy um kind of crazy helicopter mother the child of a gifted gifted child mother of a gifted child so she thinks mm-hmm. but as she describes the kid you just realize more and more that it's obviously the antichrist and you know it has <laughs> like um like, and she's putting him in all these classes and um he's just like spitting vomit at his teachers and his eyes are red and Oh gosh, it's one of the funniest. It's one of the funniest stories I've ever read in my life. But she just keeps putting him in violin classes, you know, trying to. She just assumes he's gifted, even though he's nine feet tall, has horns, <laughs> and <laughs> cannot speak English, but only speaks in ancient languages. And because he has a gift for languages, um, it's one of the funniest. But he's so yeah, great. Rich is a he. He's as close to Woody Allen as we've had in a long time, and he's he's going places. People, I'm telling you. Yeah. And I'm excited to see it trans. I haven't seen the show yet. I'm, I'm, I've got it saved. I'll probably watch it tomorrow. But uh, but I, it's good I to hear that he's translating. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so funny. In the second segment, he finds out that his girlfriend is dating – his ex-girlfriend is dating Adolf Hitler. Like actually <laughs> Adolf Hitler. And his name, by the way, is Josh Greenberg. So there's uh, there's oh, some wow. awkwardness with that. But it's it's really original and, and just so out there in the best way possible. Um, I – I very rarely have been that impressed with a with a pilot uh, yeah. in a long time. So check check out Man Seeking Woman, and uh, I imagine the season is going to be really funny. Uh, we mentioned it sort of earlier, guys. I'm going to recommend a film, a war movie, uh, that that everyone should check out. I I recently got the Blu-ray, and uh, it's Oliver Stone's best work, I think. Maybe JFK. Uh, parts of JFK. Actually, not the end of JFK, but that's another <laughs> conversation. Uh, Platoon is uh, uh, out there on on Blu-ray. Uh, I went back and rewatched it. Hadn't seen it in a couple years. Uh, it has some strong moments. Uh, she- it has it has Charlie Sheen. Of course, in his uh, American Treasure Prime, uh, he, he has since moved into Pippin category. But. Yeah, we should tell people that um, we've had this conversation before. That if Charlie Sheen had just died at like ni- in like 1993, total American Treasure. Yeah, yeah. fell right fell after off. Major League, all that. I mean, he was the king, man. Yep. Then he kept he kept living. But I mean, it's not my favorite Vietnam. Just movie. keep living. <laughs> It's not my favorite Vietnam movie. I'm an Apocalypse Now person, sure. but I think uh, Platoon has elements uh, that are worthy. So 
Um, it's one of my most recent watches on Blu-ray, and uh, it's a recommend. It's something worth picking up, adding to the collection. It's a Best Picture winner. So, uh, Platoon. Yeah. Platoon, to me, is Oliver Stone's uh, Matrix in that he yeah. made that and then got to make movies for 30 years after that <laughs> for reasons unknown. Yeah, he's making an Edward Snowden movie next, so we'll see. Have you guys That'll seen Citizen Four yet? No. no. You should see Citizen Four. I haven't seen it. There's another I, little bonus recommend. I think I saw less documentaries this year than I've ever seen before. Like I was looking at my list the other day. I think I only saw one documentary from 2014. Like I just haven't had access to most yeah. of the most of the ones that I wanted to I see. I think the one of the only ones I saw was the Roger Ebert one. Yeah, I haven't even itself. seen that yet. You haven't I, seen I, that? I oh. haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Side I have this idea there. to open up a really small theater that only seats like 20 and just run documentaries all day. Yeah, I think that would idea. work. Yeah. I would invest. You get the distribution for pretty cheap too. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good talk, guys. Uh, this is uh, one of the last, if not the last, conversation we'll have about 2014's offerings before next week doing our big final best and worst of the year episode so look forward to that that's going to be i'm sure a long conversation and uh, a fun one though and And we might have some surprise prep for seventh son i think two week prep (laughs) yes absolutely we might have some surprises for you guys coming up not only do we have our year end it's actually our two-year anniversary coming up boom which i got you guys both um pandora charm bracelets from jared awesome uh, with little little microphones on it like Casio watches, like no, not great or anything, but as long as you went to Jared, it's okay. Yeah, no, you know Brian got a Casio watch so he can time how long I make it through most of the movies. Ah, good call, yeah. good investment. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that. And I just want to say a side note: thank you to all the people who have been reaching out lately. Yes. Uh, we seem to have gotten a very big influx of fan interaction, emails, you, comments iTunes ratings, all greatness. So if you've yet to do that, if you've yet to reach out, just tell us where you're from. Uh, tell us, hey, I like this about the pod. I hate this about the pod. That, that really goes a long way in helping us continue to do this and make this show better uh, week by week. So we love the interaction and uh, often reply and follow on Twitter and do all that stuff with you guys. So appreciate the uh, the fans as always. And uh, stay with us in, in 2015. We're, we're, I'm, this is the biggest year since starting the podcast um, the most anticipated year so far, as far as yeah. release calendar. So we're going to be yeah. in for a good ride here. Kent I can't and wait. I used to do a radio show in 2012. Yeah, here locally, and uh, we used to talk. We we talked about other things besides uh, movies, but when we did talk about movies, we used to talk about how great 2015 was going to be, and now it's here. Yeah, and 2014 Let's go see Seventh Son, guys. <laughs> Uh, Jupiter Ascending, actually, is what I'm... Double feature, dude. Double feature. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were always under the impression that 2014 would be a, a, a Oscar-heavy year, and it seems that way. Uh, it seems there's a lot of movies that you that could have gotten nomination for Best Picture that didn't. Uh, so I'm under the impression that 2015 will be a more blockbuster-heavy year, but that is uh, always yet to be determined. So uh, with, without further ado, guys, until next time... I will see you. Hold on. This- we got to say where, where people can follow us. Oh, yeah. Brian. Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden. Kent, where might I find on you? On Twitter at Kent Garrison and find all of our shows on our website at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. Reminder, 
Only our most recent 100 episodes show on iTunes and other podcast apps and such. So if you want anything older than the, what you see there, head, head to the website, scroll all the way back. They're there. Uh, I assure you our Now You See Me episode still exists on our website. It might not be on iTunes, which is unfortunate. Um, so people can't search for Now You See Me and find our podcast anymore, oh, guys. So that goodness. might be a good thing. Um, but, I have you to know, do a second episode on it. We might have to we might have to put a section on the site of just like best, best of, you yeah. know, like starred episodes. Yeah. I think this year the we've gotten more tr- talk about our Transformers Age of Extinction podcast than any other <laughs> podcast we've done <laughs> this year, Jeez. which is funny, you know, considering we've done like 100 episodes this year or something. So, uh, you know, and that that's something that needs to be done in the future, but um until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. I'm Richard Barton, the styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.